Costa Rica, Costa Rica, Costa Rica, Costa Rica, Costa Rica, Costa Rica, Costa Rica. He's going to tell us a little bit about his company. Uh, it's called Voice Crafters. And he runs this, this business right out of here, out of Costa Rica. It's a virtual business. Um, I'm super excited to talk to him about it. Um, I love hearing about these kind of niche uh, businesses. Hi. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely the smoothest setup ever on Facebook Live. <laughs> well, Believe it or not, <laughs> this, is like, this is like the good setup, man. I've had this literally one dude, this poor guy, um, Raphael, it took like 45 minutes because we tried on his <laughs> computer. It didn't work. So this was smooth, man. Me and you, IT together. <laughs> and you got an old iPhone, right? You're, you're, in the, you're not in the new... Uh, no. You're not like I'm, me. I'm definitely old with school. the one plug. Yeah. <laughs> you're old school, man. Maybe that's the key. Maybe I should go back to my iPhone. Go back, grab like... No, Owen's I think it's the fact that we both go to the same and- barber. That's why everything kind of sits up really well. <laughs> But, dude, you're killing me in the beard department. I love the beard, man. Dude, I love that look. Try it. You, you never know. Are, are, you doing the, are you doing with just the electric tra- trimmer or are you doing the no, full I'm going, shape? I'm going Gillette. I'm going like the full. Really, yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I did that, I did that for a I while. Figure I figure, you know, they're losing a lot of money with all these people going, growing beards and stuff. I, I want to give you back. Gotta, you know, I got to give, gotta back. give back. You got to give back, man. <laughs> man I try. I I, have you noticed, like, it does, it makes, um, I notice when I shave like that, my <clears> head becomes, like, super sensitive to, like, every, like, the wind. Do you oh, feel yeah. that? Do you, well, yeah. I did in the beginning. Now it's I just kind of, uh, not anymore, but I did definitely in the beginning when I, I started shaving my head a long time ago, so. Wait, is this podcast going to become about manscaping? <laughs> because I'm fully in. Like, I'm if we do an hour on manscaping, I'm fully in, dude. I'm a huge, you know, it's, it's so funny, dude. I never thought I'd be a manscaper. I never thought I'd be that guy. But I'm totally that guy. I'm a manscaper. Is it? <laughs> I don't know, man. Maybe we can do two podcasts, you know? Maybe it, maybe we need more than one. How can you pack all of this awesomeness into, into one episode? I'm telling you. <laughs> but really, I wanted to, I wanted to talk about, a little bit about your – I, I want I totally want to get into, like, what you're doing with your company. Right. Because um, I, I love it. Um, I just love unique kind of stories. And I want to kind of tell that story. Right. So where did you grow up and like how did you grow up? Just to give a little background so everybody can understand. Okay. Um, I'm originally from Israel, but I grew up in many different countries because my parents used to work for the government. So I grew I actually was born in Belgium when they were working for the embassy there. And I grew up in Kenya. I lived there for two years and then four years in Holland. That's where I graduated high school, actually. Really? Okay. Yeah. And then I went back to Israel, joined the military. And four and a half years later... I, uh, once my military uh, service was complete, I went to LA and I lived in LA for, you know, I traveled there for 12 years. (laughs) Now, wait, what, what made you move like all those places? Right. And were you, when you were going to school, I mean, the government usually pays, were you going to like an Israeli school in all those countries? No, I went to, I went to American schools, uh, in, in, in Kenya, it was an American school. And then in Holland, I went for, uh, to an American school for two years. And then uh, later to another school, which was half Dutch, half British. Right. Um, and that's where I graduated high school. 
and then oh, went wow, back okay. to Israel. And then when, when I went to LA, that was a whole diff- that was by myself. It was not part of what made what made you do LA? Like, what was the thing? Was just all those American schools. You're like, oh, let's just go full American. Let's just go like to the heart of America. What What was the thing that you were like? Oh, forget it. Let's Let's do LA. Like, what made you do that, man? Well, I I um I'm a musician, so I wanted to uh, go to music school. And wow, so okay. I heard a lot about at the time in the uh, late, you know, in the 90s, Musicians Institute in Hollywood was the thing to go to, to, to you know, to to be a student at. So I okay. went. So I went there and uh, I went there for a couple of months and it was great. But I, I, you know, I found out that I was basically, you know, in school from nine in the morning to one o'clock at night practicing and whatnot. Sure. And then my visa was basically done so i had to go back to israel and i I said really hold on a second i didn't get to explore wait i I didn't know that i thought like israelis you don't have like a a kind of there's no i mean there's no visa waiver no okay how long is the v how long is the visa for you well that that particular visa was a student visa so it was only it was only for the duration of my studies which were kind of like vocational it wasn't academic studies i just kind of wanted to be a floating student and absorb as much as i could Well, so, let, well, let's be totally clear here. You wanted to be a rock star. Is that <laughs> right? Is that, is that right? And yeah, wait till the end of the story. <laughs> okay, man. Yeah, and I want to. Yeah. So, um, so basically to, um, to justify my stay in the state, because I wanted to stay, you know, for a little bit longer and experience sure. what, you know, the states have to offer. I, um, I got a tourist visa and then I got a, and then I went to school. I, I actually got like, you know, like every Jewish, uh, good Jewish person should. I went to business school. <laughs> sure, so, man. Yeah. So I got a student visa and that was uh, an academic student visa. And it allowed me to stay for several years. And then I, yeah. you know, followed that uh, following university. I was able to get um, like a work permit. And I worked for a high tech company, like for a software company in yep. uh, L.A., but while I was doing that, I was also recording uh, an album, and well, I was recording it. Sorry, some yeah, yeah. something popped up on on my screen. Oh, they're, they'll pop up just a little <laughs> bit. It, honestly, yeah. just look like away from your screen because yeah. yeah, it'll just like people are like coming in and waving and chatting, and you're like ah. Yeah. So wait, you, as you're doing this, you you are like you're in a band. Are you like? Right. Playing on the weekends. What are you what are you doing as far as like it was your, it was kind of music? an odd it was kind of an odd process because I recorded this the album first with a guitar player uh that uh later became my, my partner in the studio. Um but we recorded the album first and then we uh found a bass player and a drummer and, and we started playing, we started touring and we actually had um some we we actually had some interest from Capitol Records. We had a showcase in front of them, and it all went great. Uh, but uh, at the time, I mean, I, I don't want to bore you with this story because it's not relevant to the business. I want to be bored, dude. I want to hear. No, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I want to hear the the guy who's striving to be you know to make it in music. Like I want to hear this story because so don't don't cut it short. Okay. I want to know what it was like. Um, it was it was. Know, Taking your shot, taking your shot. Like you, right. you, you want. You felt like you need. You felt like you needed the record in order to get the deal with Capitol Records. I mean, how did it? How did that work? Well, we had a you? we had a connection with a uh, uh, an A R who was pretty up there um, in the management uh, chain. But uh, and she tried to connect us with uh, several producers, 
And some of the, <laughs> the first producers, the first producer was met, we met was like on the absolute other side of the spe- of the musical spectrum that we, you know, that we did. He was then like, were, yeah, yeah he, we did like alternative rock music and he was a, a rap producer. And yeah. so when I first got to the studio, I was shocked. I didn't understand what the hell was going on. What was she thinking? And, um, and then later it dawned on me that, you know, the genre that was really working out at that time that was really popular was, uh, you know, bands like uh, Linkin Park and, you know, the sure. fusion between uh, like hip hop, rap and, and rock and stuff like that. Yeah. And I guess she was that trying was, to point you in the right direction. Yeah, right? she, was she was trying, trying to, to do that, that yeah. but I, I yep. wasn't feeling it from that guy. So we moved on and we we <laughs> we we, um, we we met with other producers. We met with a, um, a really great producer, uh, but everything in the end it kind of all fell between the cracks the producers that we liked didn't find the hit singles the, the producers that did we didn't like so there was no connection and it kind of all went downhill from there and so she encouraged us to go to the south by southwest festival and just kind of play and try try to bring our show there even sure. though we weren't invited but um <laughs> <laughs> really yeah she told so us you just to showed to up crash, like try to crash the party guitar um, in hand or whatever <laughs> yeah um but hey um, man sometimes that's what you got to do that's yeah, what you got to exactly. do in, in fact, we probably man. should have but i think following you know we had all of that excitement in the air between us you know meeting all these producers going to all these nice studios in la and then kind of and then kind of everything kind of just went you know the energy kind of went down so we sure slowly you know it kind of dwindled from there we we played a few shows and then we just kind of broke up so from there uh the guitar player that i was uh playing with and who i record the album with uh and i we basically built a studio together and we decided that we're going to do just write music and maybe produce other artists and stuff like that and now so, when it's when you say build a studio together in now, my bedroom <laughs> back, now back in that's what i'm into that's exactly it <laughs> Like back in 1980, that might have cost a million dollars, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. What did what did that? That was literally just like you guys took a room yes. in your apartment or whatever, yes. and put up some like soundboard stuff, yeah, and like created not a even studio. that. Like, is not, that not even yeah, that? Yeah, not even that. It was it was totally basic, and yeah, we just did it in my bedroom. Uh, we bought Pro Tools. It was like a yeah. very early version, and we're talking like 2001 or two or something like that. And um, and we just started recording, and we did a lot of uh, instrumentals. We did some songs, and we also recorded a few artists that kind of um, hit our path. And then, <laughs> this is a funny story. And then uh, at a random party in LA, uh, we go, and it was at some guy's office, but a really cool office. And the DJ, who seemed vaguely familiar, um, you know, he he seemed very familiar to me, but I I couldn't I couldn't kind of um, I, I couldn't recognize him uh, right. 100%. Uh, and as it turns out, he, he was also bald like me. And as it turns out, the guy was the owner of the place and he was in my unit in the army. But I couldn't recognize no him because at the time he had hair. <laughs> so. <laughs> and a helmet, dude. And a gun. And you're like, wait a minute, I'm not putting it together. Right. Dude, that's so, awesome. Yeah. It's so small world, right? I mean, it's that's unbelievable. It's, it's just an unbelievably small world. And yeah. so we, we got to talking. And as it turns out, this office was, um, it was, uh, he was in visual effects and he was very he's a very very um 
a well-respected professional in visual effects, and he actually won a Grammy for his work on one of the on a video clip uh, for Outcast. I don't know if you remember Hey Ya. So sure. he, he did that Boy, one. I remember and he, that. Come yeah. on, man. Yeah. That was huge. Yeah. That was so, huge. Yeah. So he won a Grammy for it. He basically oh, cool, directed man. it, even though he won a Grammy for the visual effects in it. So uh, he and I got to talking, and he suggested that we move the studio over to his place so that he wouldn't have to outsource all the audio work. And okay. so that's what we did. So we moved the studio. We had, he had a spare room because one of his partners was leaving. And, um, and we did a lot of audio work for MTV and VH1 and BET. And so we just did a so lot he of, kinda had, he kind of had the connections yes. and then he would kind of farm the work out to you. Exactly. Like he, he maybe wasn't interested in doing that kind of work. He's more into the visual <laughs> aspect. And he wasn't able to, because he didn't have, he, he didn't have the audio. He, he was into visual. So whatever mm -hmm. audio work he had until we came in, he would outsource to other studios. So this gotcha. allowed him to basically do everything in house. And, nice. and so it was kind of a win-win solution, obviously, because he was able to do it all in house and get more control over what he wanted. And he was, and we were able to get some, you know, some high end jobs and which we did. We did nice. um, like, I wrote a commercial and I got to record a voiceover with Pamela Anderson uh, for some lip product, which was really cool. <laughs> and um, now, wait a minute, wait a minute. I got to, I got to dive down in this. Did she like come to like his little apartment? And you were no, like, no. This okay, was this was this was in his office, which was in this was in our okay, studio. Okay, that was in, in, okay. Yeah, All this right. was in Santa Monica. This was a nice studio, and because uh, that would have been a little bit awkward, maybe like, <laughs> like Pamela Anderson coming to your yeah, like, little rundown apartment. Everything you know, change the furniture, put you know, <laughs> add more lava lights and all that. <laughs> Pamela, is there any way I can meet you at McDonald's? We just do it at McDonald's, <laughs> like right? Yeah, that would have been awesome. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. So, so. Um, so so that was yeah, that so was we we did a lot of uh, work uh, for for you know for that kind of stuff and it was all fun and um, and then fast forward a couple years later I I really missed Israel and I wanted to go back so I moved uh, in 2007 and I moved in 2007 I had all my studio gear I had no idea what was I going to do I mean were you like at that point were you like ooh I just I ha I've made I've kind of made it right I'm assuming you were making like enough money to live. Was it, but it was it like, it's just not right for me or I just didn't, I didn't make it in the music industry the kind of the way I wanted to. What made you like make that move? You mean and, back and to of, Israel or yeah, to the studio? Say, you know what? Yeah, back to Israel and be like, okay, LA, I'm not, I've either had my run or I just want to try something different. What was going through your mind? Like, what was your mindset? Well, at the time I was single and uh, LA is the city of broken hearts, as you probably know. <laughs> <laughs> now um so that was one of the one of the things that kind of drived me over because i wanted to find a partner get married and you know start a family yep. i was getting up there in age and i didn't want to do it in my 50s and yep. la was great and it was a very comfortable living it's probably you know uh but at the same time it, it felt like i was kind of doing the same thing over and over and i just I, I felt like I really needed something new as well. And, and every time I went to Israel for vacation, but mind you, this is vacation, I, I felt like the energy was different and I got, you know, like I came back to LA like filled with energy. It was, it was just sure. different. So yeah, um, in hindsight, it was vacation. So it's different, but it's different. Than <laughs> sure. Know. 
But um, uh, I went back to Israel, and I didn't really know what I was going to do. I thought I would work in maybe some kind of a post-production facility or do something like that. But uh, whoever was working in that industry was making peanuts, so I, I decided not to. And I tried to kind of reinvent myself. Sure. So I was I started working for an Eli. I I in in fact what I really wanted to do is kind of I was living in L.A. for twelve years, so I really needed to get back to the Israeli mentality. You know the culture. Understand. I I felt like there was a huge gap, and I I needed to get back to you know to to because I wasn't there. I was like uh, it right. felt like there was a huge, exactly. I needed to reconnect yeah. with with my roots. Mm-hmm. So. Um, so I started working for this. Uh, the best way I felt to do that is to kind of uh, be in touch with more people and, and just absorb. And so I started working for this e-learning company. And I had no idea why they accepted me because I had no experience in, in e-learning whatsoever. But uh, I did have a little bit of experience in frontal training. So I, I, they, you know, they had me join as a module, like an e-learning module developer. And... Um, so I, I did that. Wait, is I, that like, is that like, is that like writing code or was that just no. like developing the actual, like the, the, the classes and stuff like that? Or what, what does that mean? Well, we sat in this uh, high tech company and it was, it was me and another group. I mean, we were a team who were developing tutorials for, for people that were, uh, that would enter the organization and want to learn more about their products and, and company culture and whatnot. And right. that's what the tutorials were about. They were about, okay. excuse me, they were about teaching newcomers into the company about new products or older products. And instead of uh, spending money on frontal tra- training, they would be able to have uh, like multiple uh, um, people from in multiple time zones just look at tutorials like online tutorials or, or gotcha. yep. and they would be able to learn from that. So we would build these tutorials. And, wow. Okay. And I had absolutely no idea what I was doing. So <laughs> the funny thing is, they probably didn't yeah, either. Yeah, I mean, this like is the five way. tutorials, and I was on my first one trying. To, what? What, am, what am I doing? <laughs> what are we doing? Yeah. So eventually, um, they they figured out they were on to me. Well, this is this is the funny thing. This is kind of like a core belief of mine, is that every from the outside world, unless you've actually like built a business on your own or built something on your own. You believe people actually know what the hell they're doing? People <laughs> yeah. actually have no idea. I mean, this is like I see it literally don't. in every industry, every industry I've ever been in. People have no idea. They'll just go and they figure out. And the one who actually goes and figures it out, yeah, like at the, end of the, at the end of the day, he has this company. And you're like, wow, he must be like, what kind of training did he get? No, he just went and did it and like figured it out. But he had at the start. He had no idea. That's that's exactly how that's exactly how I started. I had absolutely no idea what I was getting myself (laughs) into. Absolutely no idea. Of course. And this is this is how it happened. Uh, We were doing these tutorials. We're developing these tutorials, and I was noticing that in in the back end of these. I mean, when we were doing these tutorials, part of them was to have a voiceover record the text or or, or or a part of the script. So when a user would look at the screen, they would look at whatever the tutorial text, uh, you know, the, at the tutorial yeah. text, but he would also be listening to a voiceover to, to kind of absorb the material, inter- sure. internalize it better. So yeah. I said, hey, <laughs> I speak English good. 
maybe I can record a few demos and send it to the studios. Maybe I can be a voiceover. Who knows? That would be an interesting kind of twist to my music career. But I would sure. still be doing audio and, you know, be interesting. So I did that. I recorded a few takes, and of course, nothing came out of it because I'm not a voiceover talent. And I, God, I had another another no magical career down the tubes, man! Another <laughs> magic. <laughs> now you know we always dream about these like magic careers. Like I remember there was like a Seinfeld episode where George becomes like a hand model. Oh, yeah. Like how awesome! How awesome would that be? Like why That's can't such I a just... great episode? <laughs> Until he gets an iron, but, like an iron on top. You're right, ah! but oh, I so love good. that. That's always like, I mean, voice like over, kitchen gloves. Like, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a great episode. Exactly. So that, so that was that. Yeah, I mean, you you think about when you think about oh, this could be the easiest cake job of all time. Like if that would yeah. somehow magically hit, you think, well, voiceover that might actually that would be amazing, right? Yeah. Um, so you tried I, your hand at it very briefly, but it didn't. You didn't get. Any, you didn't get hired. I did not get hired, and yeah. um, I didn't even get. I, I didn't get any feedback from the studio. I figured, okay, so I guess this is a yeah. no go. But I said, all right. You know, I, I kind of got angry that I didn't get any any kind of feedback. So I said, you know what? I'm gonna do it myself. I'm gonna run my own agency. So. This is how I kind of started. I had really, no, literally, you were literally, like, "I'm going to do it myself." Yeah, because I thought, "Hey, you know, I, I, this, these talents are making good, good money. The studio is charging such and such, and it looks like it's. I mean, it looks like it's a good business. I had no idea. Yeah. I had, I did no business plan. There goes four years of business school training. I, I had not used none of it. And <laughs> dude, I, I'm serious. I've never seen. I know a lot of people in business. I've never seen a plan. Like I've never. I don't know anybody who actually who's successful who puts together a business plan. I know a lot of people who put together business plans and never actually did anything. Right. I, but I, most people, like every, I'm not by most. I mean every person I've ever known started out by taking action. And exactly. then taking more action and then taking more action and that's it. And suddenly you have a business. I mean, and your plan is, was kind of a rough idea of where that you is wanted exactly to go. Right. That is exactly yeah. right. And, yeah. and, um, and yeah, that's exactly right. A lot of people just make business plans and then, the, you know, at, by the time they finish the business, the business plan, it just, uh, they, they leave it on the table and it looks great and everything, but nothing comes out of it. Yep. So, uh, so yeah, I definitely took action and, uh, initially I worked with a friend of mine and we started building a website. And, um, so we started building this website and it was, uh, it was kind of a journey. I mean, the first year and a half or so it, it was struggling because, uh, sure. just think about it. I had no connections in Israel. I was basically brand new to the country. I had nobody. I didn't really know anybody I could speak with. In fact, I actually went over to that studio to whom I sent those demos to. And I asked them if I could maybe work for them as a studio engineer or something in the meantime. And right. <laughs> that was a no-go as well. So, uh, <laughs> but but um, I guess what really motivated me is that um, my back was against the wall and I had no other option. This was already 2008. And when I called back okay. to my friends in the States, they said, listen, you, have, you really have no business coming back here. There is a recession. Or I mean, it, this is like you know the 2008 um, crisis, uh, crash. real estate, yeah, yeah. yeah, real estate crash. And he said nobody's buying anything. Uh, really, don't waste your time. 
uh, see what you can do in Israel. And so um, this is, uh, uh, I should also mention that I worked for the e-learning company. And then after about a year or so, I was let go. So I was with yeah. my back against the wall. I had to do something. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I really okay, didn't want to. So you, wanna... weren't doing the e, you weren't doing both at the same time. You weren't doing the e-learning company and this kind of part-time or whatever. I started building the company was when I was working for the e-learning company. It was towards the end of it. But right. um, it was maybe a few months before I was let go. And when yep. I was let go, all I had is a website. And within uh, in that website, what, what I did was, since I, uh, since I knew nothing about the business, I just thought, okay, voiceovers. I mean, I, I want to run a multilingual voiceover agency. No problem. I'm just going to find... Some, some people who speak Chinese, some people who speak Romanian, some people who speak Japanese. Bring them all to the studio, read a few lines, and there we go. And just put the, those demos on the website, and we're good to go. And that's what right. I did. <laughs> I, Man. Rounded, I rounded up people, you know. Just like, you see like a Chinese guy in the street. Hey, 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 hey. I'm telling you, foreign workers, anything. And uh, I had no clue. How really. do you, you don't even know if they, you don't even know if they're speaking Chinese, right? No they could just be making it up. The dude's from like Brooklyn. You're like, hey, you want to do Chinese? He's like, sure. Exactly. Speaking English with you. Yeah. Oh, that'd so be awesome. for the foreign for for the foreign languages, I had no clue. And then for Hebrew and English, I kind of understood what it should sound like. And uh, but I just needed to have people on the roster with foreign languages, so I just shot sure. anything along. Um. And then the real breakthrough came uh, when uh, a, a friend of mine who was, I was playing in another band at the time and the keyboard mm -hmm. player referred, who was working for a software company referred one of his coworkers to my studio and they did a corporate video. So I brought in a talent to, to record at my studio in Israel. And, nice. and so we recorded this corporate video and everything was Now great. again, is this, is this studio in, in my like bedroom? Your... <laughs> in my bedroom. This was not an office, no. But listen, I mean, if you think about no, it, this... most most studios today, most uh -huh. studios today are home studios. That's it, right? The, yeah. yeah, definitely. Done are the days yeah, where amazing. you have like, I mean, there are major, huge studios. You know, you have a lot of big, big production houses. I'm not saying that sure. they don't have their place, but since you know, uh, it, it's become so. Um, accessible and so and easy really and, so, and so affordable that it's and, and you get broadcast quality recordings from you know from a room that you set up the acoustic you set up a mic you have a good interface you're all good to go you really don't need that so I mean, I mean I'm telling you when I moved here this is the change that's taken place when we moved here in 2000 I met a guy almost immediately um, you know when we had our spa and he came in for spa services and he was like he was from I mean he was literally from LA and was like, I'm moving down here. Um, well, I'm looking. I'm sorry. I'm looking for a place where I can set up a studio, right? A music studio, because he wanted to bring talent down to Costa Rica in the studio. But he was like, Dude, I just need. I got to find investors because it's going to cost me, you know, whatever it was going to cost. I don't even remember the number. I'm making it up. But I need an extra three hundred thousand dollars to get all the equipment and stuff down here. And it's like it, from there you know, whatever, that's 18, 19 years ago to today yeah. when I don't even know five grand, maybe 10 grand, you could, you know, Less. Uh, have pretty awesome uh, stuff going on. It's a miracle. Like it's a miracle, it is. right? Yeah, it is. Um, I mean, we've incredible. gone, we've gone a long way in, in the di digital recording age and now you can get, I mean, even, I mean, 
even back in in 2000 when I was working in earlier version of, of versions of Pro Tools, you could get really high quality recordings, but it's just gone exponentially better uh, as yep. far as uh, sound quality and as far as the workflow goes. And it's just, um, yeah, it's just great as, as far as that That's goes. Amazing. And it also allowed me to do a lot of things with my business as far as um, uh, it allowed me to, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Le uh, leverage my business because uh, if in the early days I used to have people come to my studio and record. Yeah, they physically had to come to you, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, I don't need to have that. So yeah. that's that's waste. That not wasting, but it, I mean it's it's taking up a lot of my time, and everything sure. is uh, uh, everything is linear. In other words, I can record. I can do one recording at a time, and that's just linear when you look at it. But when I can when when other people are recording um, at different areas in the world then um, yeah. uh, I mean, I can have multiple, I can have 20 people record at the same time and then just basically edit Absolutely. it in my place later or have some, or have my audio editor um, edit it. So that's, um, so that was a major, that's a major thing. In the beginning I used to, well, let me go back to that story. When he mm -hmm. came, uh, we, we recorded that guy uh, for a corporate video. It was it was great. Everything sounded wonderful, and then he moved to another company that was re, uh, producing videos on a on a regular basis, and that's where I really got the breakthrough. And this company, who's uh, still my client uh, for the last uh, eight years or so, uh, they're still producing about fifteen twenty videos every month, and I'm still doing voiceovers for them. And that kind of got wow. me started. And from there on, I started uh, getting more clients through online marketing and through referrals. Um, and then I learned a little bit more about the industry. I got to talking more about voice talents. I understood a little bit about the business, about that industry, about the, that world, about um, the challenges. And, and uh, I started uh, removing uh, amateur voiceovers from my site and adding a lot of professional talents that I, that I started working with. And I now, can imagine, yeah. Yeah, and now and now I run a business where I have uh, talents uh, in about eighty plus languages, uh, languages and dialects, uh, mm -hmm. and I run and I run um, this. Uh, I run it from with talents all over the world. So, um, well, tell me how you how you're able to. This was obviously a learned process. Yeah, how were you able to develop to you know find those talents? Because I mean, obviously they're spread everywhere in the world, right? How are you able to, how were you able to, to learn how to locate them? Yeah. And then, and then how were you able to weed out or begin? I mean, obviously you said at the beginning, you're just anybody or whatever. People connect with you. You're using them. You don't know if they're talent or not. Or right. Whatever. And how were you able to raise your level of, of, of quality over time? Well, um, first of all, as far as quality goes with, with time, you learn to have an ear for, for who's a professional, who isn't. And even when there were, and that's one part of it. And the other part of it is the audio quality because I won't accept talents who are not professional and I won't accept talents who have poor, uh, who can be professional, but they have a poor recording setup where the sure. audio is not pristine. So right. I'll listen to it and I mean, I'll have a, a talent send me a demo and, and, and hear it. And if, you know, if there's a lot of reverb or it's not, it doesn't sound, the quality doesn't sound well. I'll, I'll tell them, listen, uh, you sound great, but the audio qual quality needs to be improved. Get back to me when you get that fixed, and I'll have another listen, and we'll take it from there. Um, so you develop an ear for, for you know, professionalism as you go along. Sure. And um, 
So do you help people? Like, do you, do you tell them like this yes. is what you should do? Yes. You know, I've you're had just a like, lot. what you need to buy a mattress and like, bull- <laughs> you know, I don't know. I've actually sent, but, I've actually sent people links with, you know, acoustic, uh, solutions and, sure. uh, you yeah, know, yeah. start, there are a lot of people who are, <clears throat> even uh, people who are not professional who are starting out in the business and they kind of wanted my advice on where to go, what to do, um, how to build a studio. Then if I have time, I, I, I try not to spend too much time on it. But if I do have time, then I, um, I do try to help out. I either refer, refer, them, refer them to, um, you know, to take VO, like voiceover classes, either online right. or wherever they're at, or... And I send them links to uh, like recording um, instrument, you know, bundles that you can buy on Amazon really, really affordably. So you can right. get, I mean, you can get a, a running studio for less than a thousand dollars today. If you have a decent uh, bedroom, decent sized bedroom, you can get a great setup for, you know, for very little money. So, uh, but that, so on, on, the, on the flip side of that, that has brought in because it's so affordable and it's so cheap and it's so easy um, that, that brought in a lot of amateur talent. And All so, levels of talent. Yes, right? absolutely. absolutely. Yes. So now when yep. you go into sites like Upwork and Fiverr, so those platforms have given rise to a lot of people who have no clue. The, I, they have no training. <laughs> Uh, I'm not saying that all of them are, of course, right? Sure. I'm not saying, I mean, yeah, some, yeah. some people use that platform. They're professional. All's good. But that, those, platform, those platforms do not do any kind of um, uh, flagging for screening. talents. That yeah, are, yeah no they screening. don't do any yeah, screening yeah. at all. So, yeah. so you can be an amateur talent. Uh, you know the language. You know how to read. Uh, you read a few paragraphs and you upload it, and that's it. And you're a voice talent. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so Which might be actually now I'm thinking of, and believe me I've, I've actually hired voice talent on Fiverr, um, and it's been in like British. I wanted like a British because right. you know that's a nice uh, in, in English. But this would be hilarious. I'm just thinking about it because you said that you hired the first like your Ch- Asian or Chinese um, voice <laughs> talent. I figure you go on to Fiverr and just create like a voice talent one and, and get a couple of people to like it. But you're not even speaking Chinese, right? You're just doing some like bad imitation of Chinese, and the person the person gets it and is like, "Oh, great, thanks so much." And it's like they put it up, and you're like, you're saying gibberish in Chinese, you know? That would be a hilarious video. Anyway, I'm, I'm digressing into awesomeness. Then. That would be so awesome. I'd be a nice but, experiment. Yeah. Oh, that would be a fun experiment. Right. Um, but yeah, so that's interesting because that those sites are available. Those um, sites are and available like, and. Yeah. They're definitely available. And again, and I mean, there. there are there are there are voice talents on Fiverr uh, mm-hmm. who are who are good and who are professional. And and in in my industry right now, uh, right now it, the the industry is kind of going through a phase where the professional talents are trying to dissolve themselves of all these um, you know these uh, pay to play kind of websites and Fiverr, sure. and Upwork and whatnot because they're not. Uh, they cheapen the bit, they cheapen the profession of course. and sure. um, because, because it is a craft. And when you, when you think about it, uh, there, there are certain emotions and certain um, um, messages that you can only uh, bring when you're a professional and you've had that kind of experience, that sensibility to the message. Uh, and the, the people who view the end product, which is usually like a presentation or a video, don't pay a lot of attention to it because it's all embedded right. in one in, in one product. But um, when when you have a prof- when you have a professional who's 
perfectly suited for the piece for the then it sounds fantastic it yeah, sounds great art, right? you don't I even mean, think about it too much but it sounds fantastic everything falls into place when you have an amateur do it then you will you'll immediately kind of say something doesn't sit well so right. so there's a, there's a i mean it's it's something that uh, that's you know that's just like in the music industry where that was going through a transition with, with uh, Napster in the beginning and then sure. all the online platforms, uh, you know, I think the voiceover industry is kind of going a sim- through a similar transition uh, where they have to figure out how to, um, how to find a middle ground where they can make good money and still make it uh, affordable for the end client. Um, it, so that's it's interesting. I, I mean, I, I know I know no industry that's not being disrupted in this kind of way, right? Yeah. Um, that's the that's the beauty and, and more, the curse of, of of this, right? It's yeah, like absolutely. We, we can, you know, there there's always going to be top talent, um, but, <laughs> and there's always going to be a whole lot of others. The beauty, what I lo- I look at it as a, as a net net positive because what it's done is it's allowed anybody can be a, like I could go on and I could become a voice talent today, right? I could go and do it. Right. So it's opened the world up to a whole lot of people who would have never had that opportunity. Right. 20 years ago, you had to be in the right place. You probably had to Absolutely. be in L.A. Yeah. You had to be next to a studio. Absolutely. Just yeah. like, an, so just anybody, like a regular any, on-screen actor would. Exactly. It's, all, I mean, it's you almost can, the same thing. Yeah. Anybody can do it now. But whether or not you're any good at it. Right. So it's it's wide in the base. Right. And so I think actually you get better talent, um, kind of like the music industry, too. But it's just so wide, and it's exactly. hard to filter through who who's the real talent. Here. That's true. It's it's very hard to say. Um, so that's kind of where you come in. You're like you've got the ear, right? Where you can right. actually hear it now. So a lot of times when uh, a lot of times when prospective clients would come to me and say, "Listen, I have this um, video, and I'm trying to find the right match for, you know, maybe they'll have a, a like a corporate video in English, and they want to do it uh, a French version of it, but they're having right. a hard time finding the right talent. So I'll, sure. I'll give them a few recommendations and then maybe we can audition a couple of talents so that they can get a feel of what the final product would sound like and then they can make a more informed decision. Yep. I mean, and, do you think that's like the, the big value add that you bring? That, that kind of um, well, that, uh, that ability to, to, to advise clients and advise customers about, okay, this is where we should go. Is that, is that a big value add? It's you do? one of them for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely. Uh, it, it's definitely one of the values that I bring because uh, a lot of people are, are have no idea who, you know, who would work for them or they wouldn't know where to find them. And sure. I have uh, I have grown my network over the years, so I know exactly where to find uh, the right talent. And uh, also in very exotic languages, if we need to. For example, I just I'm uh, working with this language company now, who's developing a language course in Dari. And you've probably where, never, I don't even know where that is, man. right? <laughs> so that Dari is a language that that's um, uh, it's it's a it's like a, similar to Farsi. It's in that kind of area, um, okay. and uh, Dari, Pashto, those those are two languages that are very similar, and they're in that kind of region. So now, so I have sure. I have the the resources now where I can find talents in in almost any language. I mean, uh, Haitian wow. Creole. Uh, you name it, <laughs> Maltese. So, yeah. um, so I can do that. I can uh, I, I can do my best to match the talent. And another added value that I bring is that I do the audio 
work. So a lot right. of so most of the times talent will record, they'll send me the raw audio and then either myself or my audio editor uh will edit it and if we need to mix it to a soundtrack, uh we'll do that. We we kind of give like an end-to-end solution. Uh, so, for example, uh, just for the sake of example, uh, we are working with an ad agency in Portland right now. We just finished a commercial for Carter's, uh, mm-hmm. and we just we adapted it from English to French Canadian. So we brought in a couple of French Canadian talents to do the audition. The talent chose the the client chose somebody who had the sensibility that you know she was perfect for the she was a perfect match she did the audition she passed and and she sounded great in that audition and then we right. added we did, we mixed in the music um i have a video editor who um changed the um <coughs> excuse me all the english titles to french and there and, right. and we provided an end product for them so they're very yeah. happy and we did it at a fraction of the cost of what it would cost them to do it in the states oh so, for sure yeah yeah, yeah. Wow. So, so you started that while you were in Israel. Let, let's talk a little bit about how the transition you guys ended up. Yeah. How'd you, how'd you end up? First of all, how'd Costa Rica pop up on your radar wow. as a possible place for, to even move? Cause I know when I moved here, I'd literally, literally never heard of the country, like never heard of it. You know, <laughs> I never heard of it. You know, you talk about the bad geography classes, in the States, <laughs> you know, totally. Like I've never, and two places I've moved and outside you're of the U S I moved to, and you're closer I, than I, I am. <laughs> dude, I'd never even heard of the U.S. Virgin Islands. I moved to the Virgin <laughs> Islands. I'd never even heard about it. I'm 20-something years old, never heard about it. And then I moved to Costa Rica, which I'd never heard about either. Oh. So how did, how did it pop up on your radar as, like, a possible <clears throat> place? And what was motivating you to actually leave Israel at that time? Well, um, this was 2015. Uh, 2014, around, we moved in 2015. Um, but we really wanted to move because um, my first of all, my work is very, very can be very hectic. Because sure. uh, just to just to give you an idea, the the uh, the post production in the post production cycle, the all of the audio work comes at the very end of the cycle. So when clients come to me, they need the they need their deliverables like yesterday. Yes, so, of course, always. So right. it's very dynamic, and you have to be you have to be very responsive. And working with several time zones, it's it's a challenge. So oh, hold on a sec. My my wolf in the background <laughs> is taken. <laughs> hey Lex, come here, man. God damn doggies, man. <laughs> nice. So what happens when you live in the barrio, man? It's just wild wolves. I know. All right, so it's sorry, sorry to cut you off there, man. Go ahead. Um so we wanted to move because um uh, in Israel life was a little bit challenging as far as it was very hectic. And, uh, I mean, we had a nice life. We have a nice life there and everything, all our family and friends and everything. But we kind of wanted a change of pace. So originally I wanted to move back to the States. Uh, I didn't want to move back to L.A. I I wanted to go to North California, uh, which is a great area. I have some friends. Oh, you wanted to live like the hippie lifestyle. I wanted to to be a hipster. Exactly. There you go. That's why I Dude, now you're ready, man. Exactly. If you only only had the man bun, it would have been amazing. (laughs) All right. So so you were were thinking – I get you. This is why – look, most people who move to Costa Rica do it because they feel like this is going to be a lifestyle change, right? It's going to be – And it definitely is. I'm not going to have to grind like I had to grind it there or it's not going to be so crazy or I'm not going to have to drive. I mean a lot of things like – 
believe it or not, it's driving. Like I can't tell you how many people have moved here and it's just like, I was just so sick of driving everywhere, right. you know, or, or that, you know? Right. So, so you were thinking you could get into a little bit more like comfortable lifestyle. Yeah, I wanted to uh, do that. And also I have a good friends in the Bay Area. So mm -hmm. uh, that was the original plan. But um, funny enough, there is no, um, Israel doesn't have a visa for entrepreneurs. I was able to get a visa in the States when I was working there as an employee for a software company. But as an entrepreneur, okay. there is no such visa. So we had to think of uh, another plan. And um, South Africa came as, a, as one option because my wife and okay. I, you know, we really love nature. I grew up in Kenya. She's a veterinarian. We really love animals. We love nature. Uh, sure. Uh, we both have a cat. We both have two cats, <laughs> two cats named Elvis each, <laughs> which was coincidental. <laughs> And really? Yeah. Wait a minute. That was our you first each, before, be, before before you we, met. Yeah. You each had a cat named Elvis. Exactly. <laughs> that's impossible. That's yeah. one in 85 billion. That's literally the only two you guys were completely <laughs> meant to be together. That's impossible. That was a sign. <laughs> Dude, that's a sign. I mean, you knew, you knew. You were like, "Hey, I have a cat named Elvis." No way, I have a cat named Elvis too. Okay. <laughs> spend the rest of our lives together because that i mean obviously that was it right you when you heard that you were like this is it. This it was is it was deal. part of it i mean we had to meet first you know <laughs> because that, that came up on our first phone call that's but, so funny uh, man. it was definitely a sign so um we thought about south africa because again like we really love nature and south africa is also rich in in uh you know uh safari sure. and, and and stuff like that so but then we learned that there's a lot of uh, violence and a lot of white oh, uh, yes. immigration yeah, away yeah. from South Africa. So we decided against it. So we thought yeah. about Costa Rica. And Karen uh, has a friend who used to work here. So we met with him in Israel. And he uh, connected us with a couple of friends here. And so we decided to take a trip. You know, We decided to come here for three, three weeks just to check it out. And yep. so we did that and we traveled around the country. We went to Arenal, we went to Tamarindo, you know, the whole shebang. And then it we did, landed. It's exactly what we did. Yeah. 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 And we landed exactly. in Manuel Antonio, which we love. Yep. And uh, we stayed there a little more than we planned to because we looked, we decided to basically find a house and we rented a house while we're on that trip. And awesome. yeah. Yeah, so we, we rented the house, went back to Israel, sold everything, and then came back to Costa Rica. Um, so as far as the business goes, I was a little bit concerned because um, even though my business was, even in Israel, it was kind of virtual because I was not holding any meetings. I didn't have to meet with clients. Everything was emails and phone calls, and, and that was it. I didn't need to... Um, I didn't need to have that human interaction, which was uh, very convenient when you move your when you want to move your business to another country. But I was concerned yep. because of the time zone differences. Uh, Israel sure. is, is nine hours ahead right now, and so that's that's tough because sometimes the client wants to call you and get you know get a human phone, you know, get a human yeah. voice on the line and get answers, you know, ASAP. Uh, in yep. real time. So that's not an option right now. So I think I might have lost some clients on the way. I've gained others. Uh, but overall, the right. Well, it put you it put you with that negative. It put you in the U.S. 
time zone, right? right. So that was exactly. maybe a I'm in positive se- I mean, for you, we're right? what, central time? So, yeah. Yep. I mean, it would have been the same thing if I had moved to California. So, um, yep. so um, all in all, I think the changes uh, that were ma- – the, the, the transition was very smooth. I sent an email to all my clients, and I told them that we'd be moving. And the only difference – there would be no difference. You'd still get the same – uh, same quick turnaround service. Uh, and I'm still, you know, here to take care of all your voiceover uh, solution needs and, and whatnot. The only difference is that you wouldn't have to pay sales tax in Israel. <laughs> so maybe that hey, would be an incentive. That's a know. positive, right? Yeah, absolutely. A, yeah. So, so anyway, uh, tell, tell me when you move, when you got into Manuel Antonio though, now, obviously you're online, you're virtual. Um, so what year was that? This was 2015. Okay, so actually, so you probably had pretty decent, I mean, relatively decent internet in, in Manuel Antonio in 2015 then, right? Or was it? <laughs> okay, I see your face. Not that good. It's Let's just say good, when I arrived to Costa Rica, I really started missing the, the old days of dial-up. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was, it, no. <laughs> it was brutal. Okay, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't know. Because now Manuel Antonio, I, they have like the fiber line. Now it's better. Now ironically it's better than what i have here in santa Ana. i know dude i know dude i i, I actually now i have better here because i pay what are you using but because i'm, I'm... I, I now i'm on here in santa well in back in manuel antonio i got the isa fiber line right right um and because we're not there that often i i got like the 10 meg line but it's it's uh it's rock solid like you go there and it's solid right awesome um but it's you know i don't pay yeah you know, I, I, we're hardly there so i'm not gonna pay a hundred dollars a month or whatever here I have um, Tigo, and I pay. I almost like I almost bought the one that was a hundred thousand colonies a month, um, just because it's so important to me now. Like I just I'm doing this. Yeah. I want to mainly for me. It's the upload speed. Like I want to be right. able to push video up because I'm doing webinars with my brother and stuff. I'm doing the podcast. I want it to be seamless going up. Um, and Tigo has a, a hundred and ten line, so it's a hundred megs down and ten up. But it's, you know, it's 100,000 colonies. And I was like, mm. uh, And so I, I bought the lower package, which is 50 down and five up. That's excellent. Uh, for like, for like 60,000 colonies a month. And it's been, uh, you know, knock on wood, could fall down right now. Well, but as of now, I'm, it's I'm, been excellent. I'm really glad you're, you're mentioning this because we said that we're going to talk about some of the challenges in running an online business. Oh, this man. is one major challenge for me, at least, because um, we, and, and, and what you, and, you know, I think it's very, you know, it, it depends on where you're based. Um, right now, I'm using Ise, and I have a ten down, one up, and it's oh, dude, come and that on, is the man. fastest. Come on, dude. that is the fastest they have in my area. Okay, yeah, that is man. the fastest no. they have in my area, and it's ridiculous. Okay, no, man. I mean, you got to call. So, okay, now, yeah. However, before we moved to Santa Ana, we lived in Escazú, and there we had yep. Tigo. Okay, just like you. And I had yeah. like a 30 down, uh, I don't know, five up or something like that. Right. And let me tell mm-hmm. you something. I wasn't able to download a 25 megabyte file because it kept uh. disconnecting. So uh. the fact that the internet speed is there is great. But you have to also check the quality of the line. The quality of the line totally. is such that um, I had huge jitter and latency and whatnot and i wasn't able to do anything i wasn't able to do yeah. anything so uh i i was you know <laughs> what happened eventually was i was just basically working out of like a cafe close close oh. by in, in avenida Escazú. I, I wasn't able to work out at home 
So oh. I just disconnected them and went to Issei. Uh, this was an Eskazu, and I had fiber, and then it was okay, you know, <coughs> relatively. I, I tell people with, with the, because people, I mean, I, I chat with people all the time <coughs> who, are, who are moving and I, uh, to Costa Rica, and I tell, say, say, look, you can't say one surface is good. Like, you can't say Issei is good or Tigo's good or whatever. It is like not only town by town, it's like neighborhood exactly. by town. You never know. You never like, know. I, I, like I, when I moved into this new place, we moved in like whatever, six months ago, uh, they were like, I, I, first I wanted, I don't know what it was because they had fiber. And they were like, no, we don't. We come up the hill, but we're a block away from your neighborhood. We can't do fiber. You know? And it took me like three months to get a, basically a no from them. Then I got Issei. Issei was like, oh, no problem. I, I signed up at the office. They're like, whatever we have. I'm like, give me the best one you have. And they had like that, that one you talked about. I think it was like 30 and, yeah. and 10 line. And I was like, let's do it. They get it up here. They come. They install yeah, it. Yeah. And I'm like, yes, how great. I do the speed test on it, and it's like 10 and 2. And I'm like, and I'm paying for like 30 and 10 or whatever. And I'm like, what's I, – uh, Exactly the same. And at the end of the day, at the end of the day, they're like, no, that's the max speed yeah. we can deliver there. Yeah. And we'll move, we'll move you down to that the price point or whatever. Yeah. But that's the, that's the max <clears throat> we can do there for whatever reason. And so then I'm like reaching out and dude, I, I thank God now, dude. Cause like when you moved to Manuel Antonio, it, it started to do the change, but you know, 10, 15 years ago, there was only Issei and Roxette and you had no options. Now there are enough players in the market where you can actually call. There are some fiber line companies, that, right. but it's so neighborhood to neighborhood what you can get. Um, it right. can be a challenge, man. Right. This is a big right. challenge, and especially a- for people who are doing stuff online. Yeah. So that's, that's a huge challenge. And, um, so what I'm thinking about doing is actually uh, maybe getting another provider. Like I think in our area, mm-hmm. it's Kablatika. So maybe I'll get yep. them to come out and, and connect me and then kind of compare the two. A lot of people have two setups. Like when one isn't working, then Dude. They, they'll use the others. They, they'll use the other. That's, so that's literally what I have a box right there for me say that, that he say. So I kept that line. It's yeah. sitting there. It's just unplugged. I don't, I don't even use it, dude. It's just sitting there. I don't even have it on. Because I don't want so that's the signal the interfering line, my other thing. You have another one yeah. for fiber. Yeah. So say. I have my I have my Tigo line. Oh. That's what we're I'm using right now. Oh, right, right. And and if that drops or whatever, I literally go and plug in the other one. You know. And uh, you have I for me, it's you know I've done the kind of I, I can't do it anymore. I like, know. It, honestly, I've realized in my that's, life that's one of the most here, frustrating things here. I, uh, for me, at least, you know, some people will say, "Hey, what are you talking about? You're in Costa Rica. Go out to the beach. This is my business." Yeah, yeah. You know, no way, dude. No. Uh, uh, for I me, hate. it's like I just don't want to hear Molly from the from the bedroom. Oh no! <laughs> ah, ah. I just that every time that happens, that's ten dollars to me, right? <laughs> it, it, it's ten dollars. So I started doing the math. This costs me $800 a month, right, to have this terrible service. Like, I'm just going to pay the most I can possibly pay exactly. and, and hope. And thank God this one's worth. And yeah. honestly, if I, if I was richer, I'd have the bigger line. Like, I'd have the 100000 colonia a month if I had unlimited funds and just enjoy it. I'd uh, but probably I'd tell do you, the same. I, tell I just you, came back great. from Europe where an, an average city oh. is like 30, you know, like 50 and 30 or, or 50 and 50 or whatever. Yeah, and yeah, I'm yeah, like, yeah. oh. I'm in heaven. Oh, it's magic. <laughs> Let me upload everything I got to the, oh, to the cloud. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I've been storing all that stuff. And so, um, so that's yeah. – Yeah, that's a big challenge. That's big a big challenge, challenge here in And especially when you're using services like Tigo and Kavlatika who use cable, 
uh, with cable uh, uh, at nighttime, I don't know if you've ever oh. noticed, but the service is horrible because everybody's horrible. watching TV and that everybody's uses a lot of bandwidth. It. So these commercial companies are overselling their bandwidth. So that's Absolutely. kind of a problem. And at nighttime when everybody's watching their soaps or, or whatever, you know, you're trying no, to go online and you're screwed. <laughs> it grinds to a halt. Yeah. Absolutely grinds to yeah. a halt. Yep. So. so so when you did that in Manuel Antonio, so obviously that's one of the main cha- challenges. Yes. Technology. Yeah, although it's gotten much, much better here in Costa Rica. It's still it's still a challenge. Yeah. Um, what were the other things in when you first got here, first started running it, what were the other kind of Main things where you're like, ooh, this is, this is a new one for me or, or a, dif- a difficult challenge for me. The power outages, I guess. I mean, it goes more than that, <laughs> <laughs> which we still have regardless of where I'm in. Yep. You know, Manuel Antonio Santa Ana, doesn't matter. You still have power outages. Uh, luckily, yep. yesterday, the power outage that we had was one that we knew about uh, 10 minutes ahead of time. Uh, but yep. it's a challenge because, for example... Um, okay, a lot of work that uh, there's a lot of work that I can do on my laptop. I just grab my laptop, go to a cafe, and do it there. But uh, right. I, I'm, I have a major project right now, which I need to do in my studio here at home, and uh, I have to deliver it like tomorrow. So, yeah. having no no electricity all day yesterday, kind of is, is a challenge. You know, now I have to come like double up on on finishing up uh, as soon as possible. So yep. as, soon, as soon as this podcast is over, I'm just going to be like, well, you know, yeah. Wait, so, so you don't have one of these, like the, the battery backup, pushing into the battery backup, pushing into I, the battery backup setup? <laughs> no, I have one. I have one and it's been working great. It's been working great. Okay, but great. I, I don't want to rely on it. I, you know, yep. I want to, I, I want to work with power. I mean, if it's, it's, if it's a total emergency, then I would do that. Yep. But, but um, I mean, I prefer running on, on electricity. The power. Well, the, this is a pro. Let me give you a pro tip for the. You know, you on those battery backup things. Yes. You know how it's got the beep beep, beep whenever the yes. power's out. Like I, I don't turn want it to hear off. The beep beep. I turn it well, off when. Oh, power. okay. You know, you have, you could have the turn off. I used to actually take them apart because when we had the spa, yeah, we had. I had a bunch of battery backups. I didn't want to lose music. I didn't want to lose my computer. Right. So there were a whole bunch of things I didn't want to lose. Because we used in Manuel Antonio, forget it. We used to lose power every single day, right, every day. Right. We would lose power, and so I had a ton of battery backups. And I would literally, I got like pro at actually taking them apart and putting a pin through those little the thing that actually made the beep beep sound. So they would they would be silent, and it was just like it went out. And you didn't hear anything. No beeps. No beeps. Like these are the, that's what you got to learn how to do here in Costa Rica. You got to learn how to do. You got to go know, around the system. You got <laughs> to go around the system, and I always encourage people. You just got to get it done. You know, right. ask permission later. Yeah, you got to get it done. Yeah, so I that's just, definitely. I just turn it off because I don't want the battery to be on when there's a power outage and there's it's not yep. powering anything. Uh, so yep. I prefer it to go off, but yeah, that's, I guess you have to teach me that, how to do that. I had actually in Manuel, this is the old days. Now you can get, you know, there are generous generator kind of setups here that aren't terribly expensive anymore. Um, there are possibilities, yeah. but we had, we used to have a guy, uh, our neighbor in Manuel Antonio, he ran like an internet website, one of these old ones. Like he, he started his in like, you know, 1995, it was like wow. a travel site. And for a while this thing was huge. Now it's a dead site. Cause he didn't change with the times. So he still ran on the entire game. thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's, the, the site's still there. It, look, it, it literally looks like 1995. Like, it looks like old right. Yahoo, right? And he's still running. But anyway, but he, you know, obviously, he used to have a satellite dish for his internet. Like, he was paying thousands of dollars every month for his internet. 
in Manuel Antonio. And he had made, he had created this whole battery backup system where he had like airplane batteries. Wow. Like, like 20 giant airplane batteries in a wow. row that, that the power from Issei came in, fed these batteries and then fed the whole house. He'd, he'd created like this giant, like $20,000. Wow. Electrical Wait a minute. Are we talking about Elon house. Musk here? <laughs> <laughs> well, this guy that's, had to have his internet. You that's know? a good setup. Was, that's a great you setup. Had to, you, had that, to, you had to do this stuff back in the day. Now it's, it's easier now, right? It's, it's much, much better. It's much better. Yeah. It's much better, but, uh, but still, I mean, it's a challenge, but, but it's still definitely challenge. much better. Yep. Yeah. Yep. These are, you know, third, you know, third word issues that we deal with, uh, you know, every day and, you know, you have to deal yep. with them. You have to find a, <laughs> a creative solution. So maybe a generator would be a, something that ha- I'd have to buy. But um, yep. I, I would, most of the time when I'm caught with a power outage, I just grab my laptop and go to a cafe and just work out yep. of there. So it's, it's been okay. Yeah. As far as that goes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so other than, other than technical challenges, are, how about living in Costa Rica? What is the, what's been kind of the best thing for you about Costa Rica? What's the thing you, that kind of has ticked the box for you? Is like, this is what I love about Costa Rica. Well, what I love about Costa Rica is the nature. I mean, that's number one. We, when we lived yep. in Manuel Antonio, we had, I mean, we – our, our balcony was out into the forest, into the jungle, and we had, you know, sloths and monkeys and toucans come visit us practically twice or three times a week. And it was just amazing. The amount of different, you know, for the first month, I would just take my phone and I would take pictures of bugs that I've never seen before. I made like a book <laughs> of totally new, I'm sure. I, yeah. I mean, these like species that I've never seen in my life. It's just unbelievable. Course, yeah. It's so rich in that sense that we, for me, I mean, I know that a lot of people wouldn't be too excited about it. For us, it was, it was amazing. And, yeah, amazing. you know, spiders and snakes and, and bugs. And it was just, I, I love those kind of things. So I, I love them too. And I've been stung by just about everything. <laughs> um, but I'm always, I'm always, inc- I'm always like, wow, this is amazing. Because I'll see people or talk to people and they're like, you know, they're, you they're worried about, they're worried yeah. about coming to Costa Rica because they're, they're, they don't want to see bugs, right? They're sure. not into bugs at all. And I'm like, do not come to Costa yeah, Rica. Yeah, exactly. Because this is not, I mean, I'm this not, into, not really into bugs, at all, but this is not the place for you because yeah. they're all over. They're everywhere. You, I, I literally have had people stay in my house. Like we used to rent out the house a lot more in Manuel Antonio. And I had people like literally call me. Because I'd give him my phone number, you know, if any problems, call me. Call me in the middle of the night and be like, there's a lizard in my bedroom. <laughs> and I'm like, what, just okay. one? <laughs> and I'm like, okay. And they're like, what do I do? And I'm like, uh, I don't know, go to bed. I don't know, what do you, what do you want me to do? Like, they are literally, people have no idea. Like, some people, I mean, you know, not, thankfully not everybody. But some people will be like, they're ants or they're this. And then I'm like, man, you're living in the jungle. If we left the house to its own devices in one month, the jungle would completely take that house. That's back. right. Like completely take yeah, that house that's back. That's right. You know, I always say the jungle wants its house back. Like it, <laughs> it wants that space back. Like we, I, the first time it really hit me, really, really hit me in Manuel Antonio. I don't know what I did. I went to the beach or something. I made my coffee in the morning. I went to the beach. I came back, and my bowl of sh- I had made the mistake of leaving a bowl of sugar oh. on a countertop in Manuel Antonio. Like now you've you learned, I put it, you put it in the fridge or wherever you do, Right. you do not leave sugar out in the open 
I came back. There wasn't a bowl of sugar. There was a mound of ants. It was like you I didn't know. see the bowl at all. It was just like a moving, like brown thing. And I'm like, what is that? Oh my god, that's 85 million ants exactly. who've like found the honeypot. You know? Yeah. But that's yeah. You get yeah, used to it. You man. get used to it, and it's um, and I think it's great because um, of course, yeah. It's in our great. very, you know, it's very primal for us as human beings to be one with nature. And this is a great place to have that kind of experience, I think, you know, and, you know, yep. to wake up and see all that green around you. I, I, to, to us, it was fantastic. And yep. the, the only reason we moved out here to, to, you know, to Santa Ana city life is because, uh, you know, we have a, a, our child was born here and we didn't have yep. a lot of options as far as kindergartens go. So, sure. so we brought it's him funny. here. It's so funny, like our story, the way, we fa- the way we came to Costa Rica, the way we moved here, we both ended up in Manuel Antonio. It's literally identical. The reason we moved to San Jose was about our kid. You know, it's just, it's the, we have the exact same story <laughs> yeah, in, as far yeah. as Costa Rica goes. Yeah. Um, for, me, for me, I actually love living in San Jose. Um, you know, I don't know if that's just because I'm older. Um, I like the weather. You know, I never thought I'd be. I'm, like I'm with weather. you 100%. Dude, that's, dude, that, I love the uh, weather. The, the official reason is my son. The unofficial reason is, for, at least for me, is the weather. If I told my wife, let's move back to Manuel Antonio, we'd be there tomorrow. But as really? mu- okay. and, and as much as I love Manuel Antonio, that's where the heart is. Uh, yep. And we do go in, and, you know, we do go quite frequently on weekends uh, as much as we can. Uh, here, it's, it's just more comfortable as far as the weather goes and you know you have it's you're, you're closer to you know major stores and stuff like that so it's a little bit yep. easier as far as that goes definitely yep so i don't I, I mean it. i still love it, it's still great about costa rica you can get to the beach in you know a couple hours or whatever yeah uh i mean that's uh, the thing i like the most about costa rica is just the ability to go to all these different environments and it's so close everything's so close right that's I mean, right that's I, I love that about costa rica yeah, you know. and it's so varied. You can go to so many different places and experience different kind of uh, scenery and different kind of weathers, and it's just amazing. You can go up in the mountains, and, and it'll be cold. You can go to the beaches. It'll be warm. You can go to, I don't exactly. know. It's just, it's, yep. just, uh, it's just great, you know? Yep. And wh- what do you think about living in, si- in the city? To people who are, like, thinking about living in, in the city, um, I mean, we live in the kind of same area, the Santa Ana, right. Escazú area. Um, is, I mean, for me, I guess people would say the traffic or something. Are there any challenges or things you, other than the technology of the internet and stuff that, that you're like, Ooh, this is the one thing that I, people should be aware of, uh, if they're thinking of moving to San Jose, um, and not doing the beach thing. Right. I think, um, on a personal level, I think there, you have to get used to the culture here. And I think yeah. it's, it's a very good lesson in, in, um, in patience this country you know (laughs) if you come from the states and you're used to you know having everything done you know like this it's not gonna you know we we laugh about it my wife and i that every time you go to a to a public office the first the first meeting is like a recon meeting where you kind of figure (laughs) it out where you need to you you, i mean you bring all you bring everything you think you need to bring but then right but then they tell you that you need another piece of paper and then you go to the next meeting and, oh, you, you know, there is actually yep. another piece of paper that needs to be. So um, yeah. you can't rush things here and you can't, you, you have to go with, 
uh, it's just like living in the jungle. You can't fight nature. You have to be one with it. I think it's the yeah. same. The same goes for the culture here. You're a guest, so you have to adapt yourself to to the Tico mentality. And yeah. um, so the the good the good news is that the Ticos are very friendly people, and they are uh, extremely welcoming of foreigners. So. Uh, I think yeah, yeah. Uh, for people who are e- who are kind of laid back and, and it's easier for them to adapt, I think it'll ha- it'll it'll be easier for them, you know, to Absolutely. to to live here. But for people yeah. who are uh, you know imp- less less patient uh, or more demanding, you have to <laughs> you have to. Man, it's just yeah. I, I mean I I'm I'm that person, right? I am not a patient <laughs> person, and uh, get you just get ready to bang your head against the wall. Sometimes, um, yeah, that's, definitely. Yeah, I mean, just, I, I don't think, I mean, every, everybody experiences at some level, right? Yeah, but, yeah. It's, but it's definitely a lesson in patience. I mean, even for people like us who are impatient, who want everything yesterday, it's a lesson in patience. You have to kind of, uh, you know, yep. get proportion. You know, you, you have to uh, see things in perspective, in other words. You know, what you think right. is an emergency might not really be an emergency or, you know, I guess. Yep. When you moved here, this is kind of a question along that line, because I'm, I'm a kind of burn the boats kind of guy. Like I, when I when we moved to Costa Rica, I did not have an out like it was at all in. And that was it. Did you get did you approach Costa Rica with that sort of mentality? Or were you like, well, we'll go. We'll see if we like it. And then, it, you know, if something happens. We can always leave. Which way did you view it when you moved down? I, anywhere I live, I, I think the way that I grew up is kind of I, I don't I, I don't. I, any place that I go to, I approach uh, in the way that okay, I'm I'm living here now. It's great, but um, you know I might choose to live somewhere else in a few years. Who knows? If I okay. if I find a place that I like m- more, then I'll go check it out. And I so luckily I have a job that doesn't restrict me. I can I can go to Zimbabwe, and if I like it, I'll live there as long as sure. I have an internet yeah. connection that's decent. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, <laughs> but. Um, but that's always been my mentality. I, I do kind of want to settle down. I think uh, my, you know, it's it's um, it's a challenge because the way I grew up, I kind of have like I, I'm kind of like on pins and needles. And every couple of years, I want to move somewhere else to kind of change the pace a little bit. Oh wow! Okay, but yeah. um, I don't, um, you know, uh, I, I don't have I don't I, I always have an out if that's the way. I, I don't think about it as an out. I think about it more as, you know, if I want to... Like an opportunity. If, yeah. If there's another yeah. opportunity uh, that presents itself that I like, you know, right. I, I think uh, that will, will, I mean, will obviously work for myself and my family, then yep. uh, it's definitely going to be something to consider. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's just because when I talk to a lot of people, they, they say multiple people who are coming to Costa Rica, I get the feeling that they're the first challenge they're going to run into they're going to say, Oh, I'm out of here. You know, but it's like, man, I think if you, if you approach Costa Rica that way, you're in trouble because you are going to have significant challenges. I think it's, I I think you're going to, um, I think it's an approach that applies to any place you move to because any place, there's no place that is perfect. And any place you go to, you're going to run into challenges. So if you're not prepared to have some kind of resiliency, then you better stay put. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, you actually have, that kind of goes it kind of goes for everything right it kind of goes yeah. if you're starting your own business if you are not willing to jump over and go through walls uh that are going to be put in your way and they will be put in your way 
you're never going to make it, right? I mean, to, that's kind of the way it is. Yeah, you have to you have to be uh, resilient to these kind of things, and uh, so to that end, I'm really happy that my back was against the wall and I had to develop my business. Yep. The first year and a half was very challenging because I. You know, I had no idea what I was going to do. This is a new industry, a new business. I had absolutely no idea what I was going to do. And what kept me going is I just told myself, okay, you know what? Just do every, just do one small thing every day that will advance your business further. Just do one thing. And then if you can do another, great. But if not, at least do one thing. There's always something to do. Just find one thing that will further your business. Take it to the next. Uh, take it to the next step, and then you can rest or whatever. Because I, I literally would wake up, you know, stare in front of the TV and not know what to do. So that was the first year and a half of the business. Um, yeah. But so it was tough. But uh, if you're able to kind of withstand, uh, you know, the long and and just don't get me wrong. It's not like I'm some kind of a superhero. I had my back against the wall. I didn't have, sure. I, I felt like I didn't have any other opportunity, any other uh, option but to get that business to work. So that was the only reason, that really is the only reason why uh, I, I made it work. And it was a very yep. strong lesson for me in resiliency because up, up to that point, if I didn't see results relatively fast, I would give up and try something else. Yep. So it was a very good lesson for me in, in, being able to, um, you know, to see the challenges and see, see past them and just move forward uh, regardless. So. Well, I think that's, that's amazing. Uh, that's, a, that's great advice right there, um, which is, you, do, you know, with your, if you look at it as I, I have no option but to make this succeed, uh, that sets you up for success. Definitely, right? and, for sure. And then, I mean, if you, it's just a mindset. It doesn't, have to be the, it doesn't even have to be the truth. You just have to absolutely force that you force that mindset upon yourself, and then the simple fact of I'm a lot of people get overwhelmed, myself included. I tend to overwhelm myself, even with this simple podcast. I'm overwhelming myself because there's a million things to do. But that advice of today, I'm going to do one thing that's exactly. going to move me forward. And when I do that one thing, maybe I still got time. Maybe I do another. Exactly. And I do another. Exactly. But that, you you decide I'm going to do one. I'm going to take step forward. I'm going to do this. And, uh, you know, that get, that those two actions just set you up. That's exactly, that's exactly the, right. The, when you're overwhelmed yeah. and you have a zillion things to do, just try to prioritize and do think one, just do everything one by one and just kind of break it down and, and not, don't get, you know, I also get overwhelmed. I have, you know, of course, there are days when, when, I, when I'm just like, wow, I'm on, a, <laughs> on the brink of a, men, of a, of a meltdown. But uh, you try to prioritize, see what's the most important thing. And do yep. that one thing, and if you have time, go to the next thing, and just you yep. know you're only human. Yep, great advice, man. I appreciate your time, dude. This has been awesome. Thank you so <laughs> Thank much, you. man. I love it. Great <laughs> advice for everybody out there. Um, I appreciate man. it. Thanks for awesome. having me. Thanks so much. All right, good All talking right. to you. Thanks everybody for joining in. Appreciate it, man. Have a great day. You too. Bye.